Hey there, it's Debbie. I've been getting a lot of questions lately about the challenges within couples when raising a neurodivergent child and both partners aren't necessarily on the same page. So while the show was on a short production hiatus, I've decided to re-release a two-part conversation from the archives between my husband Darren and me about how we've navigated our partnership and our parenting journey together. Today is part one. Tomorrow you can listen to part two. I didn't get it. I didn't understand. I wanted him to be regulated. I wanted you to be happy. I wanted to be able to help. And that, that was the thing. That, that's the thing that I, I felt so, it was so hard for me. Is I, I was completely powerless, or at least how I felt, uh, to help either of you in this situation. And I saw my family really not, not doing well. And I didn't know how. I just knew it wasn't working. Welcome to the Tilt Parenting Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber, and today is a very special episode with a very special guest. That's right. Today, I am bringing my husband, Darren, onto the show for a super honest, super vulnerable conversation between the two of us about our journey as a couple navigating parenting a differently wired child. I've been wanting to do this episode for quite a while. And in fact, I get a lot of requests for an episode covering this very topic. So we are finally doing it. And I will say that Darren was a little nervous to sit in the hot seat, but I'm really happy with how the episode turned out because I know that figuring out how to be a partner while raising an atypical kid can be incredibly challenging because both people are going through their own individual process, but at the same time, it's so important for the child and for the survival of the family that the partners find a way to work with each other instead of against each other, which can so often be the default mode when we're stressed or tired or overwhelmed. I did want to mention here that if after listening to this episode, you have further questions or topics you'd like Darren and I to tackle together regarding our co-parenting journey, please leave a comment on the show notes page, which you'll find at tiltparenting.com slash session 56. I'm pretty sure I'll be able to convince Darren to come back on again. And I'd love to keep this conversation going and also just make sure that we're sharing the kinds of insights that might be truly helpful to you and your family. And before I get to the episode, a quick invitation to take part in our free virtual Differently Wired 7-Day Challenge on Tilt Parenting if you haven't already done so. More than 400 people have already participated in the challenge and I have gotten great feedback that it's helped people become more intentional and purposeful in their day-to-day actions and thoughts in relation to their child and that as a result, the dynamic there has positively shifted, which is fantastic because that's exactly why I created it. Again, it's totally free and it's ongoing. So if you want to give it a try, you can sign up at tiltparenting.com slash seven day. Thanks so much. And now without further ado, here's my conversation with Darren. Hello, Darren, and welcome to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. (laughs) Hi, Debbie. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that message so many times. I'm really excited to do my first Tilt Parenting Podcast with you as your husband. I'm excited to have you on the show as your wife. (laughs) Do you want to take a minute? Because, you know, listeners have heard me now for more than a year, slowly sharing my story. Mm -hmm. So they know who I am and you come up from time to time in podcasts, but do you want to just take a minute to just so people know who you are? Tell us a little bit about yourself. They probably don't think I'm real, like a real person. I'm a real person. Yes. My name is Darren Basden. I am Debbie's husband of 18 wonderful years. Um, gosh, I guess I could say what I do. I am a, a program manager and I work in technology mostly. Uh, I manage uh, large-scale projects for big companies. Yeah, fun stuff. Um, I make sure things get delivered on time. That's not a very good description. (laughs) And do you have any children? (laughs) Yeah, I got this kid. Uh, His name is Asher. Oh, okay. He's my son, and I love him. 
Well, I thought we would talk about Asher today. Okay. Awesome. Well, as I said, a lot of listeners know kind of our story with Asher from my perspective and what it felt like for me as we were discovering just how different he was and kind of during those really challenging years, what they were like from my perspective. And I say that as if the challenges are over, they're not, but we're in a, such a different place than we used to be when we, we were in kind of the, what I think are the kind of hardest years. And from what I've observed from friends and members of the community that ages like five to nine is, I think, kind of really the thick of it. But I think it would be helpful for listeners to hear from you because you experienced that differently. Yes. You were working out of the home, so you weren't around as much during the, you know, the day stuff and the schlepping back and forth to therapy and all that stuff. But also you experienced it different because you have a different relationship with Asher. So I do. Would you just talk a little bit about what that was like for you kind of during those really those years when we really were like, oh my gosh, this is not going to look the way we thought it was going to look. Well, I have to say, I think what Asher has given to me it, over the years is patience. Uh, and I know, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think of myself as a patient person. In fact, uh, I think before we were married, I was not a patient person. And Asher has um, tested my patience in those years to levels I had never known possible. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, and, and, and you love him to death. So when he does something that tests you, you just, it, it goes right to your heart. You, and you have a, I had a very immediate reaction to what, what he was doing or what he was saying or, and I, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out how to, how to respond. And then it, it kept escalating. And then I would get very frustrated. I didn't help the situation at all. So there was, there were times when he was, um, he would really push my buttons and I, I didn't know how to respond. I didn't know how to deal with it. And often what I would do is e either I would say something that I would regret or do something like I regret, like take a toy away from him as punishment. Right. Mm -hmm. Or I would walk out of the room and say like, you deal with him. You know, <laughs> I just, it was not, <laughs> not the best parenting when I was just, uh, I just couldn't figure out how to handle it. And that's not to say we didn't have a good relationship and, and that's, uh, I'm, I'm going right to the bad time, but uh, we had plenty of good times too. And we could be very silly together for long periods of time. Well, it seemed to me something you said, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. or I didn't know how to help him. Yeah. When you said that, I remember that that's something you used to say a lot to me. I, you know, I'm trying to help him. I don't understand why he doesn't Gosh. realize yeah. I, I know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. what he needs to do in this situation because I was this way when I was his age or, or whatever it was. And mm -hmm. that seemed to be for you a real challenge because your intentions were so good and he just wasn't responding the way you thought that he should. That's exactly right. So in my mind. I have all this wisdom that I want to share with Asher. <laughs> all these situations and how to handle them and how to work with people. And yeah, I have some similar challenges as Asher did when I was a, a kid. Like I had trouble relating to people when I, was, uh, when I was younger. I also saw the world differently than most people around me. So I had to figure out how to interact with people. So I, I wanted to share, you know, what I've learned, how, how I became more social, I guess, when I was younger. But um I, he wasn't really interested no. in anything I had to say. <laughs> he wanted to have fun and play, and uh, I wanted to help him. And that was this. Uh, the helping was a series of co corrections or advice that he really didn't care about. And I, I just I couldn't understand. I'm giving him gold, and he's just he's just not interested. <laughs> Don't you understand what I'm trying to share with you? This is good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I remember those days. What was it like for you? I'm just curious. We talk a lot on the show about parenting the child you didn't expect when you were expecting. Yeah. What was that like for you? I mean, no one knows what they're going to get. Like, there's no way that any parent can have a full understanding of what it's going to feel like to be a parent and to get to know this person that you are now in charge of raising. 
But was there a disconnect for you in terms of what you thought it was going to be like and then what it ended up being like? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, it's, it's a funny thing because when you were pregnant, I had a moment where I said, I just said, whatever he is, just let him be smart and funny. <laughs> Two most important qualities. <laughs> Two most important qualities. And we got them in spades. I mean, in spades. <laughs> My wish came true. But at the same time, I had no idea. So what was going on? I mean, when he, when he started reading when he was three without any help from us, that was weird. And I was proud and simultaneously in awe and shock of what our child was going to be like. And then later when we realized there were some other things going on and we took him to therapist and uh, we finally got the diagnosis, I was in complete denial of what was going on. And, and I knew you were, you were open to it. You're like, you knew something was happening and you were, you were more open to it than I was. And I was, I was very reticent about talking about it with anybody. Um, even you, I think I had trouble talking about it with. And I, I, I just said, this kid, this can't be, this is, you know, he can't have a, a problem. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's my child. And, and I really did thought of it as a, as a problem, as a, something that needed to be fixed. And then I was like, okay, we're going to fix this. That was my <laughs> next stage. <laughs> we're going to fix it. We're going to go to the therapist and we're going to get him right. You know, and uh, we're not going to tell anybody about this, you know. And then I think maybe it was a couple of months after after that where I was like, okay, no, I knew this all along. You know, I, I really was, uh, it was in denial. I didn't have to, we didn't have to go to a therapist to understand what, what was going on. We knew that he was different and then we knew he, he was wired, differently wired. Mm -hmm. And that we needed to um, be his parents and love him and support him and that... That decision, I mean, that took a, it took a, a few months for me, where I think you embraced it immediately. It took me a, a few months to really embrace it. And then the next step was for me to figure out, well, okay, I want to love and support him. How do I, how do, I do that? Mm -hmm. And I do love him. I mean, to say love and support him. How do I, how do I support him in this, uh, in this journey? Right. Yeah, I would say that the the denial and not wanting to tell people lasted longer than a few months. And I and I think I was right there with you. I mean, the way you just described it made it seem like we got this information and I was instantly like, okay, I'm on it. But I think, you know, in general, it was this slower process slow. of, you know, uncovering these little layers, right? Because we went to that the first therapist we saw, which was really for anger management, there was no assessment involved. It was really giving him tools. Oh, yeah. And that's the first time we got help when he was four. The mad monster. The mad monster emerged, yes. That was Asher's avatar. For those of you listening who haven't heard me talk about it before, that was his avatar for his his angry side. So it wasn't Asher. It was the mad monster who was wreaking havoc in our lives. You know, and then after that, it was getting the information about having some sensory processing issues, which was probably like six months later. And then it wasn't for another year. So I mean, it wasn't Yeah, it took us a while to get all of them. And there was a lot of I just remember you and I having a lot of late night conversations about, you know, well, this doesn't seem right. This doesn't sit with me. This makes sense to me. But we were always kind of trying to analyze the information we were getting mm -hmm. to decide whether or not we thought it was valid or not. Yeah, we were always trying to figure out what the, the official diagnosis was. Were, were we following the rules to the letter? Of, you know, yeah. Very interesting. I want to talk about those earlier years when, you know, I hear this from a lot of parents. It's been written about a lot. And it was our experience that, you know, there's usually one parent that is more hands-on, that's doing more of the the groundwork, so to speak. So... In our relationship, I was the one who took Asher to therapy probably 95% of the time. Mm -hmm. I was the one who interacted with teachers and fielded the notes and the phone calls and the after-school meetings and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm wondering what that was like for you. I know that, you know, those that's cha that's challenging for a lot of relationships when one of the and we've talked about this on the show when one of the parents has kind of all the information and one of the parents is a little bit outside the loop and that can create some friction and i'm wondering during those years when i was playing that role and you know i would download to you and talk to you about stuff at night 
But did you feel like disconnected at all? Did you feel like you were as involved as you could have been? No, absolutely disconnected. Yeah. I mean, I was connected with him. I mean, we had a, we had a different relationship. Um, not you and me, but me and Asher and you and Asher. So, you know, when he got home, we would, we'd hang out and we'd do things together, but it was, it was not the, didn't have the same context. So when I get downloads from you and I'd hear what happened, like a teacher would do something or say something and I get, I get really angry and, and you say, Oh, she's been doing that for months. <laughs> and I'd say, Oh, well, I'm still angry. Um, I, yeah, I felt, I, I didn't know what was going on. Like, uh, we, we had, how many schools were we at? It was it four schools. Well, three in elementary school and two preschools. Yeah, okay. Three preschools, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I, I, I did feel disconnected at first. I was like, "Well, let's get, I'll get the, I'll get downloads from you. We'll we'll talk about it at night." And that didn't always work. You know, we 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 talked sometimes. We didn't always have a chance to connect, or or it was a really bad, stressful day, and we mostly just spent time commiserating or something like along those lines. And so I, I didn't always know what was happening. At first I was like, okay, that's cool. You know, Debbie's more in touch with him and I've got, I've got a, you know, I've got my important job. I got to make sure we have money so uh, she can handle that and I'll get the, I'll get the downloads. And when there's something important, she's really going to pull me aside and we'll, we'll talk about it. And that was kind of how I felt. But at the same time, I'm like, but I'm not being a very good dad. I should be there. I should be in those meetings. I should be, I should be helping her. This is, this is a lot of burden for one person to handle. And then I also felt like <laughs> I'm angry. You know, you're keeping me out of the loop. And, you know, <laughs> all these things are going on because you, we're on a, it was a roller coaster, mm-hmm. a roller coaster of emotions about what he was going through and what we were going through. And so in the end, I, um, I don't know. I look back and I wish I was more, I wish I'd been more present in those meetings. There were so many of them, but I wish I'd been more present, had attended more of those things. And I did, I did help out at whatever that last therapy place we went to was. I've forgotten, but I did take him quite a few times there, but that's, yeah, I, I regret not being more involved in those discussions. I'm just curious to know more about your emotional state. And, and I'm assuming it was kind of the same as mine, but mm. tell me differently if, if I'm wrong. But I was very, you know, when we were really in the, the throes of it and mm. feeling like we were just, it was this constant bombardment of there's a problem here. This isn't going to work. We need to figure this out. Therapy, you know, just on and on. And then just dealing with what we were dealing with at home, which was living with a child who was really dysregulated most of the time. Yeah. And very anxious. And, you know, obviously, because he was basically in a battlefield himself every day to just be himself. And he was he was constantly being told that he's not okay. So it was not a good scene. Mm -hmm. And I was feeling personally, very overwhelmed and starting to feel hopeless. And not knowing, you know, feeling like all of our choices were were almost out of choices. And what are we going to do here? You're just ready to throw my hands up in the air. Like, I just don't know what to do anymore. So just that deep, deep sense of overwhelm. (laughs) I remember those days. You had a couple of bad days in there. A couple. A couple of bad days. days, Yeah. I'm I'm going to leave. (laughs) (laughs) See ya. You know. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Hopeless is the right word. It was really harrowing uh i i just i didn't get it i didn't understand i wanted him to be regulated i wanted you to be happy i wanted to be able to help and that that was a thing that, that's the thing that i i felt so it was so hard for me is i, I was completely powerless or at least how i felt uh, to help either of you in this situation i saw my family really not not doing well and i didn't know how i just knew it wasn't working hopeless is the right word and i you i try to talk to friends or neighbors or and they nobody really got it you just felt hopeless and and alone which is really an awful feeling Mm -hmm. yeah i mean I, i i love you and asher so much and it to be in that situation I don't, want to, I don't want to go back there. No. 
No, it's a hard place to be. It is not a good place to be. And I know that that's where so many of our listeners are. And yeah. um, I mean, that's why I wanted to create Tilt because, yeah, it's a hard place to be. It's, it, you know, before we continue on, I would just say that it it doesn't stay. We don't, you don't stay in that place. So mm. if people are listening and they're like, yes, <laughs> that's where I'm at. Oh, my God. Like, just know that. It does get better. Oh my gosh, yes. It gets better. But those are those are hard years and and it seems to last forever <laughs> when you're in it. You know, talking about meetings and things, I did want to say that when we pulled Asher out of his private school that he was in halfway through first grade, that was I mean, I would say personally that was one of the most difficult things we have gone through as a family that yeah. time. It was incredibly painful. And that was a situation where I was very much the, you know, I was doing all the school drop offs and pickups. I was like, literally in daily engagement with heads of schools and teachers and point systems and charts and check ins. It was it was exhausting. And I could see that things all of a sudden were going in a really bad direction. And I remember coming to you and saying, I need you to take over. Like, Mm -hmm. I am way too emotional about this. I am so angry. And I can't be rational. People who know me know that... (laughs) That once that I'm super calm and zen in the night, and then once I go to the other side, forget (laughs) about it. So yeah, yeah, so I really, I just remember, because at the time, you were not super engaged with what was going on. Mm -hmm. You were very involved with what was happening at work and things like that. And I just remember saying, look, Mm -hmm. you've got to take this over. And you were like, well, I have to work. I'm like, okay, you're taking the day off of work, because we need to have a meeting with the head of school. And you, so you're like, okay. And you did. And I felt like we went in there kind of like a two-person A-team. And Mm -hmm. I just sat back and I let you do all the talking. And it was such, for me personally, such a relief. (laughs) Because I just felt like "Ah, now he can, A, he's going to know what's going on. So it's not that I'm crazy that this is really as, you know, things are not as cool as I say they are. And then also I just felt like you're so much better in those situations than I am. And I was so just relieved to have a a competent, <laughs> articulate, calm, rational person <laughs> steering the ship. Yeah, that was a that was an interesting. Yeah, conversation. I actually was quite nervous going into the meeting because these are people who care for your child, right? And I'm used to talking to in business context. How do I deal with it? But what's very very strange was that after about thirty seconds, I realized. No, no, this is the same. This is a business to this person. And this person is put us in a business context. And then it became quite easy. Then it was like, okay, then I know, you know, they don't have my child's best interests at heart, right? They've got an agenda that they're trying to fill. And as soon as I knew that, then I could have a conversation with them. But it says a lot about, uh, about that situation and about that, that moment. Because mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, you need people who care for your child, Right. <laughs> yes. So as soon as that, as soon as I, yeah, Prerequisite. As soon as I realized that's where we're, where we were, I was like, wait a minute, this is not the decision was already in my made in my mind, and it was just a matter of executing the conversation. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body, and so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. 
There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. So in our house these days, Darren and I have been working together to up-level our nutrition and healthy lifestyle habits. Maybe it's our age, our changing bodies, my shifting hormones, whatever the reason, I'm here for it. And that's why I'm loving Green Chef, a meal company that makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Green Chef offers gut-friendly recipes each week and is committed to providing a holistic approach to nutrition by offering meals that contribute to the overall well-being of your entire body. Darren and I are particularly big fans of their nutrient-dense, science-backed gut and brain health recipes, developed in partnership with registered dietitians that improve digestion, reduce bloat, and also boost energy and immunity. This week's favorites, turkey, black bean, and sweet potato chili, and the Baja chicken bowls with mango salsa. I mean, don't those sound delicious? But if that's not your thing, you can choose from a variety of customized meals to suit your lifestyles with preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, gluten-free, and protein-packed. Whatever you choose, you'll get farm-fresh ingredients, organic whole fruits and veggies, and premium proteins, along with chef-crafted, nutritionist-approved recipes delivered straight to your door. Go to greenchef.com slash 60tilt and use code 60tilt to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's 60% off plus 20% off your next two months when you use the code 60tilt at greenchef.com slash 60tilt. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Well, I would say though, that that situation to me, and I'm curious to know if you felt the same way, but to me... I thought that whole, as awful as that time period was, it actually brought us together. Absolutely. Yeah, it did. Because here's the thing. Here I am. As I said, I'm feeling hopeless and and, uh, powerless to help. And you came to me. You came to me and you appealed to me. uh, You need help. And I, I was able to. (laughs) I said, okay, I can do this. I can, I, I can help. I can be helpful. So I was really excited about the opportunity. And then in the situation, I was helpful and I understood why you were so upset. And I was right there with you. And uh, that moment was like, okay, these people don't get it. These people don't get who my son is and they don't understand how special he is and they don't care. And that is not okay. And I became I know you talk about mama bear, but first time I became papa bear and I really felt like that's, that's where, where I was supposed to be all along. I, I got it crystallized for me in that moment. And that's when I think that's when we started taking the journey together was right there. I think you're right on the money. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about our journey together. So I know that it's not going to be news to anyone listening that having a differently wired child can put a big strain on a relationship. And for me, you know, as I said, I definitely, I think my struggles have been primarily around me feeling like I was shouldering more of like the daily hard stuff. And I'm also, as I've said before in this podcast, and as you know, very well, Darren, I am a bit of a control freak. Mm. And (laughs) So I have this tendency to just kind of take over because I know how to do things. And then I start getting this sense that, well, I just know how to do everything better and I'm just going to do it because then I know it's done the right way. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that that leaves you sometimes feeling a little left out. Mm -hmm. Is that true? It depends. If we're we're talking about folding the towels, (laughs) oh, I am okay. <laughs> you are a professional towel. I've never seen anybody fold a towel. Like no, but when we're talking about other things, yeah, sometimes I feel I feel left out, and sometimes I really want to participate. But I, I've learned to let you know that I want to learn. I want to get better, uh, and I need practice. I have a a weird learning style. For me, it takes me a long time to learn something, but then it's very slow, and then all of a sudden it becomes very quick. So it takes me longer 
to learn how to do whatever, folding towels. <laughs> We're still working still on folding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when we started trying to w- work on work with Asher and how you had all these, you know, we went, through, we, we read books and, and, and you'd come up with these uh, things that you wanted to try. And there was a new thing like every couple of months and you would have me read the book or it would take me a while to read the book and I would read it and then um, I'd try it and it just didn't do it very well. You know, I didn't get it and you'd be trying it and you'd tell me how you tried it and how this worked and how this is going to change everything. And then I just couldn't get it. I, I didn't see how anybody could read a book and then put it into practice the next day, which is what you did. And you did it really well. And I, I would read the book and I go, what the? No, that doesn't make any sense. You know, positive discipline would be a good example of that. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just, I still, I couldn't get over it. I, I just, I couldn't figure out how to put in practice some of these principles that you were trying to share with me. And then, then you would go, okay, I'll just, you know, let me handle it. You know, we'd be, I'd be talking to Asher and there'd be a situation, perfect opportunity to try out one of these new techniques. And then I would just blow it. I'd say something like, Asher, you're really annoying me or something like that. <laughs> do something that's like the worst, you know, parenting 101 thing. Don't do that. And I, he would get, it would escalate. And then you would come in and you say, you know, I got it. Why don't you go take a break? You know, and I, I, I would be like, oh, crap that was the moment where I was supposed to use the technique and I, and I didn't, uh, I just, I wasn't getting it. And I could tell you were very frustrated with me and I just, I didn't get it. I just, it, it, some reason is something was blocking me from following it, from doing it, from understanding, from absorbing it, from using it. And I was really fighting it. Hmm. During that time, I mean, when we were going through that and learning about positive discipline, I mean, I think that's that was for us kind of the most pivotal period in our journey with Asher oh, yeah. and our relationship because a couple things were going on. One is that we had by that point moved to the Netherlands. So we had already kind of made this dramatic change as a family and not just living abroad, but then becoming a homeschooling family with, you know, me being the homeschooler, the homeschooling parent, and you being out in the world. But I spent so much time and I still do with Asher. I mean, we spend every moment almost of every day together. And in those first few years of doing that, I was on just this tremendous growth spurt because I had to, it wasn't like survive. (laughs) I was in survival mode. I either had to figure this out or we were going to crash and burn horrifically. And so I was having to read things and implement right away. I was talking with parent coaches. I was, you know, just constantly trying to get things back on track. And I started seeing these tremendous results with Asher. Mm -hmm. And I would notice how one little tweak would, oh my God, that just shifted everything. This is a superpower. And so I would want to share that with you. And then I would share it and you didn't either get it right away or you didn't seem to... Very interested. Yeah, you didn't really seem very interested in it. So during that time, that for me was kind of the most frustrating thing because I was seeing all these great results. And then sometimes I felt like you you would come home and with your kind of work energy and in a totally different space, obviously, because you haven't been home reading the Guardians of Cahul mm-hmm. in bed with us, and, you know, doing mm-hmm. what we've been doing all day, going for a walk in the park or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it was this shift. And then you were still parenting in what I considered to be the old style. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she's going to undo all the good I'm do- I've done all day. And so for me, that was a huge source of tension. Mm-hmm. What was that like from your perspective? That was the, yeah, that was the toughest point in, in our relationship, everybody's relationship. I think what's weird is, think about this. So you're, Asher's growing and you're growing. And I actually was happy about that. But at the same time, I was feeling really left out of the equation. And on top of that, I was really failing at all of this stuff. Like, I, I just couldn't get it. Uh, if anything, it was getting, it felt like it was getting worse. I just wasn't, it just wasn't connecting. And I actually got 
you know, you were not nice to me during this time. And I was also having a lot of difficulties with Asher. So I actually was not happy with either of you. I mean, I, I was happy that the relationship was working, but I was really not in a good place mentally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would say something. I would say something to Asher that was exactly the opposite of what I should have said in that moment. And then you would say something to me the way I was talking to Asher. And we had created this vicious sort of broken circle. My, my ego was, ter- it was in bad shape. I felt like a terrible parent. I felt like I was disappointing you. Uh, I felt like my relationship with Asher was n- not going well. And I, I couldn't figure out why. And, um, and I, was bl- I was blind to the problem, too. I could talk about it now in retrospect. But I, in my mind, I was trying really hard. Mm-hmm. And the fact was I wasn't. I was fighting myself and fighting my family. And that was a really hard to come to that realization. The moment that crystallized it was uh, we were on a call with Allison, who was helping us with positive discipline. And uh, she said to me that it doesn't seem like you're really trying hard enough. If you don't do something about this, you're going to ruin your relationship with Asher. You won't be able to handle him during the teen years, and you're very well going to lose your uh, relationship with Debbie. Wow. I don't remember that conversation in that way, yeah. but yeah. And I got so mad. But it, it was that moment where I actually said, wait a minute. You know, <laughs> later that day, I was like, if I don't get my, my stuff together, I'm, she's, she's right. I'm not, I'm not doing well enough. I'm not really trying. And I had to really examine the, examine the situation and think about what is it I'm doing? Why am I? Why am I not doing this? Why? I can do a lot of things. This has been months, you know, I've been trying to do this. And I I had to really focus and be purposeful about everything I was doing. And and that's when I realized that I was angry. And I I was, I was stopping myself from being a good parent from from that moment. And I I was, I said to myself, I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to show Allison (laughs) how much I love my family. (laughs) Well, you said you were angry. You said that's when you realized that you were angry. What were you angry about? I was angry at myself, but I was also angry at you because I needed you to talk to me like the way you were talking to Asher. If I was having problems as a parent, you know, if I'm sitting there and I'm doing dumb things and you talk to me the way I'm talking to Asher, which is not very respectful. If I'm being honest, I was not being respectful to Asher and you were not being respectful to me. And that didn't help. You know, that didn't make me want to be more helpful. At a certain point, I was just like, you know, hey, you know, they, maybe they don't need me at all. Maybe I'm just a pain in the ass, you know, and I'm, uh, I'm not never going to get this. I'm, I'm just not going to figure it out as a parent, how to be a, a supportive dad or, a, um, you know, maybe I'm just, a, I'm just emotionally immature to the point where I can't, uh, I just can't do this. So I was, yeah, really down on myself and really and I'm mad at you and mad at Asher because if Asher had been, you know, had just not had any of these things, then I could have a, a normal, <laughs> normal life or something, <laughs> some crazy thought. That's like my classic line. If I had a typical son, I would be a great mom. <laughs> it's so ironic. I love it. Well, you know, and just to go back with what you were saying in terms of your anger and the way you were speaking to Asher and the way I was speaking to you, I know that for me at the time, I was very much feeling like I already have to figure out, like I'm already having to figure out how to communicate with Asher. And it takes all of my effort to be a conscious, positive, disciplined parent with this person. I don't have the energy to make sure that you're okay too. Like yeah. you have to be responsible for yourself. So that was my thinking at the time. And I'm not saying that that was right, but I know that was the way I was like, I don't, I'm taking care. I have to take care of myself emotionally. I don't have time to take care of Darren emotionally while I'm also trying to get Asher back on track. Yeah. However, you know, part of my work in, you know, as we kind of started getting back on track and really working better as a couple and as a family was that I realized how much I was 
not giving you an opportunity mm-hmm. to kind of step up. So I know that the way that I was taking over was sending the message that you can't do this. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and so that that's and that's not very helpful. I know that doesn't feel good when you're being told that you're doing it wrong all the time. And so a lot of my work has been figuring out either how to step back and not intervene and let you kind of deal with situations on your own. And so you have to kind of dig in and go there and tap into all those skills. Mm -hmm. And then also just noticing and trying to be more aware of how I talk to you about things Mm -hmm. that I find frustrating. Yeah, no, we've definitely gotten a lot better at both of those things. But as you saw, I needed a lot more practice than you did. <laughs> you gave me a lot more opportunities to, to practice. Uh, and I really appreciated it. It actually felt great to finally get it. Like when I started finally getting some of the interactions, and I st- don't get me wrong, I'm not, I still get many of them wrong. But when I finally got some, some of them working in my relationship with Asher improved and my relationship with you improved it was such a big difference i felt like i was part of the family (laughs) again it sounds really weird but it's true yeah i'm grateful for that and you are you you you've changed your tone when we're talking about things about anything to do with asher and something i could have done better so tell us about then how your Because I imagine there's going to be parents listening to this and maybe fathers listening to this who are going to really relate to the way you felt or your anger, you're feeling stuck or just having trouble kind of getting caught up and knowing how to better relate to their child. What did that kind of transition look like for you once you started? Like how, how has your relationship with Asher changed since we went through that time? Well, we were able to have conversations about other things, I think is the, the difference. So we, we now talk about things at dinner or when I get home from work or in the morning, we talk about things that are on his mind or subjects that are just a normal conversation. As, whereas before it was more like it could have been a series of corrections or uh, leftover frustrations or you know, we didn't talk about those things. Now, it seems like it's a lot easier to talk about anything, which is a fantastic. I mean, nothing makes me happier than just having a normal family type moment at dinner where we're having a conversation about current events. That mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I didn't think that was possible <laughs> five years ago. I didn't yeah. think that was possible. Now it feels like it feels like this is this is the way it should be. It, the relationship is now more one of mutual respect, which is totally different than the way it was before. I think he could feel I was judging him and he was judging himself. Now it's, it's different. Now I am helping him, but I'm not helping him by telling him what to do. I'm, <laughs> I'm helping him by just being there for him. So you said you're not correcting him as much. Like yeah. what else maybe in your mindset or, you know, how, how have you changed how you've parented him? I think, um, well, first of all, he's amazing. So this is the thing that's like just embracing his unique amazingness as much as you can. So I try to listen to him more, much more. And when he's frustrated, I do the, uh, I ask him why he's frustrated. I, I, I try to sympathize with them in new ways and I can, I can challenge him in creative ways now to think about things. I try to use sarcasm less <laughs> as, a, as a motive. As a parenting <laughs> tool. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't working too well. Sarcasm. <laughs> no, but we do have a very sarcastic child now, which I guess we can both take credit for. Oh, smart and funny. <laughs> So I did want to ask you a question about the two of you. I see a lot of similarities between you guys, especially surrounding some of your, maybe your intensities or your, your rigid thinking, which I think is where some of the, sometimes when I need to intervene, it's because you both are kind of stuck on something. Uh I'm just wondering if you see that too. And if you think that helps or creates challenges in your relationship with Asher. It does both. So 
I mean, <laughs> the funny thing is, the, the most rigid you will see us is when we're working on a game or a mod for Minecraft, and we're up against a design challenge. And then uh, <laughs> it could be like, no, it needs to be, you know, higher resolution versus a lower resolution for this particular moment of the experience for the player. Something that doesn't mean anything to anybody. We both be, we get very rigid. So on the one hand, it helps because he has this tremendous eye for detail, as you know. I mean, incredible eye for detail to the point, I mean, he can look at uh, an image and see what, what is going on in that image, what the resolution is, what the, you know, whatever. And um, he cares about it so much, so much. It's part of his, his soul when he's making something, he's creating something. And so he wants it to be the best. And I have that, that same thing. It applies to different areas. But for us, we get it. I get it when he wants something. He said he has a vision and he wants to execute and I'm going to support that hundred percent, you know, his vision. <laughs> That's of course, it, it, it conflicts with my vision. <laughs> but uh, so I think it helps because I understand him, why he gets obsessed about wanting to make something really, really good. Uh, on the other hand, it, it, it can be troublesome if we, if we can't figure out uh, how to come to compromise. And we talk it out a lot more now. We didn't talk it out as much before, but now we talk it out. We'll go back and forth and back and forth. And the thing about Asher is that he is so amazing. He can usually find a really good reason why this should be this way. And I, I can listen, but it will take, it'll take 15, 20 minutes of conversation. And that's a conversation we couldn't have five years ago. Now we, ha- now we can have a conversation and we'll get down to the details. And, then, and sometimes he'll say, oh, you know what? You're right, Dad. That's a better way to do it or like yesterday when he had an idea that I hadn't thought of that was much better. So yeah, from a, 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 some perfectionist craftsmen in the, in the, in the family. And I think uh, that mutual respect really makes a big difference. So this is something you helped us with. You see, you have conversations with respect and now we can do that. Be respectful to each other. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Do you have any kind of go-to strategies with Usher? Like if you're having a moment or a conflict? I mean, I have my strategies that I use. I'm just wondering what are your kind of go-to things if you're having a... I got two strategies I use. This is a thing like we both get rusty, right? And he's, he's doing really well like he is now. It's hard sometimes if he goes to a dark place. And we, but there are two that I got in my bag that I, that I pull out. One is if he's in a really bad place. And this is a thing. like He could have said the meanest things, done the worst thing, thrown, break, broken something, whatever. And he's really frustrated. And this is the one I learned from you, which is it's not about you. It's not about you personally. He's going through something and what he needs most right then is your love and your, just your support. And you have to swallow your pride. You have to swallow your anger and just give him a hug. And it makes such, I mean, that melts everything. It melts everything. And he, he stops being angry. He, he's able to calm down and then you can have a conversation and he'll be sorry for the things he said and you'll be sorry for the things you said. And then you can move on and, and your bond is stronger. Mm-hmm. That one took me a long time because I was so mad. I, you know, I didn't want to forgive him. I wanted to know how mad I was, which is not, not a good idea. And then the other one is, um, is humor. So sometimes when he starts to, he starts to go to a place that's bad, he's not quite all the way back. This doesn't work if he's angry. It only works when you start to see him slip off the, the precipice, which is, just to inject some ridiculous off-the-wall humor. It could be a voice. It could be something really silly that you do. And again, you might be starting to get angry, but you have to not be angry. You have to, you have to make that joke and you have to commit to it. <laughs> you can't just half commit to it. If you're going to put your pants on your head, you got to put your pants <laughs> in your head and ask him what is wrong with this situation. You really, you got to go there. And that, that will cut it. That usually cuts it before it goes any, any further. Yes, two great standbys. And it's amazing, you know, you just talking about going in and giving him a hug. He's usually the first to apologize. Yeah, like the is. moment you empathize and soften, it is, it is, it's a magic. I think he just wants to know that you love him. I really think that's it. He might be feeling well, bad about himself. Yeah, he also doesn't, and, and I know none of these kids do, they don't feel good about themselves when they're out of control. Yeah. It's not a pleasant feeling yeah. to lose your cool and scream about something that you know is you're making a bigger deal out of it, but you can't help it. And so, yeah, I think the moment you empathize or just come in with love, they can let go of that mm-hmm. feeling, that guilt or the shame that they're feeling. Now, you know, we've kind of walked listeners through our whole story. There's a lot of things we did not include, (laughs) but there's some of the highlights. And of course, not everything's happily ever after and peach keen and perfect all the time. So there you go. No, (laughs) I'd say this is still very much a work in progress. And, you know, I acknowledge, you know, just the changes that you have made over the last few years have been just tremendous in terms of you being more engaged and also... You really have such a willingness now to try things. And even when I have to have the tough conversations about a moment or a suggestion, the next time this happens, here's another way to do it. You used to get really defensive about that. And now you're usually like, okay, yeah, I see that. Okay, thanks. I mean, it's, I know it's not easy to hear sometimes. And sometimes you call me on my stuff too. This is a two-way street. But I'm wondering, you know, just before we go, any thoughts for parents who are listening to this who are kind of not where they want to be in terms of how they're connecting with their partner in relation to the way they parent their child. Do you have any any advice or thoughts to share? Well, I think um, I think what what really helped us was being honest with each other at that moment. And really, we had to get to that point where we were just 
just talking about these things in an open way and what we needed. What do we need? We both have a mutual goal, which is to raise a happy child and have a, a good relationship. What do we need from each other to get that done? That those conversations were critical. And it was a critical point that we were at. If we hadn't gotten through them, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It would have been, I mean, we would have, but I just, uh, but we had to go. We there. had to go there. If we didn't yeah. go there, you know, and I think you heard me, you, 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 you heard me and I heard you and I, that was huge. <laughs> we were not listening to each other. No. no, we were both kind of in our own little worlds of pain and unhappiness yeah. and, and happiness. I mean, it wasn't all bad, but we definitely were experiencing our, our own baggage and stuff around what was being triggered in us individually by what was happening with Asher. And I will just say that for my part, I think the thing that I learned the most through that, Mm -hmm. that I was really not doing a good job of was just talking about, you know, you said, honesty, I wasn't being I wasn't talking about a lot of stuff, because I either was like, it's not worth it, he's not going to get it, I'll just I'll just keep doing more. But inside I was building up resentment because I felt like I was doing more, but I wasn't giving you the opportunity to do more. And I wasn't talking with you about the stuff that was hard because I didn't want to ruffle feathers or whatever it was. Well, so, I, was, I would ratchet well, you up weren't the tension. I was yeah. really, wasn't really <laughs> you helpful. weren't really open to listening. That's true. Well, that's the, other, the other thing I have to say is, you know, once you realize that you, that you were, and it did take you a couple of days after our heartfelt conversation, you you recognized that, and you you were you were patient with me, even when I was messing up. You were patient, like I need to give him some rope so he can <laughs> learn how to do these things. Like, I could tell, I could feel you. Like it was like when I was learning to drive, my mom was <laughs> sitting next to me <laughs> and telling me not to run into that car. You know, <laughs> just it was that kind of a moment. That's uh, funny. You had to. You showed tremendous patience and. Uh, it was uh, it was amazing. Uh, you trusted me, and that that made a huge difference. And I thank you for that. Well, yeah, you're welcome. I mean, I had to learn to do that, and I didn't know I wasn't doing that. So that's my piece of advice I would have for listeners: if you are feeling like your relationship with your partner isn't where you want it to be, or you're not feeling as supported in that, it is so important for what's going on with your child. And I encourage people to get help. We reached out and got help. And that was really, that's huge. It was a huge thing for us because it gave us a way to finally talk about things that neither of us were really talking about. So, so Darren, I want to thank you for doing this. I know that you were nervous about was, coming on the show, nervous. Yeah. <laughs> especially after I teased it a few weeks ago and said, we are going to go there. <laughs> and you're like, Oh crap. Uh-oh. But thank you for really opening up and sharing. I really hope and I believe that this is going to be really helpful to many listeners. And it's it's important. And I, you know, we are as a family, all of us, all three of us, such firm believers that there's no shame here. What we're going through is wonderful and difficult and challenging. And as are all of Asher's differences, they're amazing. And we want to be open about what it's like so that other people in our situation, they don't feel alone and they feel supported and connected and they can embrace what's wonderful about their journeys too. So thanks for sharing everything you shared with us today. Thank you for being my wife. (laughs) 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 uh, I think this podcast is amazing. And when you first told me this idea, I thought it was the most amazing idea. So I'm a big supporter of Tilt Parenting behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I'm super proud of what you're doing. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, where you can leave a comment or send us a question or a suggestion for what you'd like to hear from me and Darren on a future episode, visit tiltparenting.com slash session 56. If you'd like to become an official supporter of the podcast and help us cover some of the production costs associated with making a weekly podcast, we would fully welcome that. And you can do so at patreon.com slash tilt parenting. And lastly, if you like what you heard on today's episode and you haven't already done so, please consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes or leaving a review. 
both things help us get more visibility. Thanks again for listening. For more information on Tilt Parenting, visit www.tiltparenting.com. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking